Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Road to Freedom podcast. I'm Patrick. And I'm Matt. And we're finally live and kicking. Uh, we got everything out on Google Play, on Stitcher, on iTunes. Uh, for a trillion-dollar company, uh, that took a while because, for some odd reason, they didn't want to authenticate anything. Uh, but we're finally on iTunes, the largest MP3 uh, uh, podcast place in the world which is nice. Uh, so you can find us on any of those uh, if you have Podcast Addict like I do, where it uh, takes all your podcast feeds into one. Uh, we're on there, so that's awesome. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube and um, various other places, but those are the main ones. Um, today we're going to be uh, discussing a few news articles, and then I think we're going to end the podcast there, and then we'll record another one uh, dealing with education and the non-aggression principle. And so we'll hit to that. Uh, just uh, some updated news for me. Uh, I've uh, been chosen to uh, sink further into uh, local government by uh, being chosen as a uh, board of uh, trustee, a trustee board member uh, for uh, my local township. So um, I'll be bringing a bunch of stories on how to, um, what what type of intrusion even on the local level government has in our lives because there is uh, there is definitely some. Um, so I'll have that from a local government perspective. Uh, but uh, last night, I also registered to be a member of the Libertarian Party. So I followed in similar fashion to the Mises Caucus and uh, Tom Woods and, and Dave Smith and all those guys that did it. So um, I'm out 50 bucks for uh, the national and the local. So ho hopefully, um, hopefully I can uh, report on uh, political action there as well. So... Um, Today we, we have two new stories. One, just super interesting, uh, which is uh, Disney having a private government and what all that entails. Um, so we're going to be giving you our reaction to that. But uh, first we're going to start with a local uh, news story about um, uh, the trouble with uh, homeless people in public parks uh, that's uh, occurring in the main part of our city. Um, uh, there was uh, a, a proposal taken up by the city commission of Kalamazoo on whether or not to, well, I guess it wasn't really criminalizing what was already there. It was kind of decriminalizing, but uh, I guess there was issues with um, uh, complaints of people uh, going to the parks but having a, a lot of homeless people. And unfortunately, Kalamazoo is one of those places where it's a catch-22. Uh, it's got a lot of good services for homeless people, but at the same time, that brings brings in a more transient uh, population. Uh, both Matt and myself have interacted with people from uh, Seattle, California. Chicago is a big place that we have because we're kind of in the in the pathway of uh, Detroit, and uh, even up from uh, Florida. So we've had our number of uh, experiences with homeless people, um, probably more so than most people. Yeah. So we figured we'd give you our reactions on this. Um, what else am I, I missing from this this news story? Um, it was, I mean, they were, the homeless people felt it was unfairly targeting them um, because the biggest change that everyone was getting up in arms about was they make it, um, I think, what was it? Right now it's a misdemeanor to sleep in the park from, uh, is it 9 p.m. to 7 a.m.? Uh, and they were going to change the times to, um, new or 8 p.m. to noon, 
but they were also decriminalizing it. So instead of making it a misdemeanor, it would have only been a civil infraction, which is still a fine of, I think, up to $200. But I don't, I don't think a lot of people were realizing that it was getting decriminalized. Not Because um, most of the th- signs you saw for the people protesting were talking about how you know, criminalization's not going to help it. And I don't have $500, you know, if I'm homeless and all that. But it's like, you didn't, no one explained the article very well. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, and, you know, uh, homeless people have, have nothing to do, uh, really, but uh, um, fight for these. So when when you have a backlash, it's for people who both support the homeless and the homeless as well. Uh, so much so that uh, they were even camping outside the, uh, the the city hall, which is fine to do. Um, the the thing here that that uh, that I have kind of an issue with, uh, yeah, uh, decriminalizing is always good. It's always great, uh, but they're still enforcing uh, the rules based on the civil infraction, which actually decreases the amount of proof that they need to bring to court in order to prove. So instead of uh, having beyond a reasonable doubt, because it's a misdemeanor, uh, it's just a preponderance of evidence. So um, Obviously, they're they're almost literally getting blood from a stone uh, by by trying to squeeze uh, homeless people that are sleeping. But at the same time, uh, you know, hey, this is the tragedy of the commons. This is what uh, having a public park is. And I'm sorry, but uh, you it's it's in public. Uh, this is this is what your taxpayer money goes to. Since since it's owned by everyone, uh, everyone has free access to it. I I. I'm unsure of how really to um, to take care of the situation, and we're, we're referencing this news story. One of the people they, they that was arguing against the measure said, oh, "Well, we need to not criminalize homeless people. We need to just take uh, to to f- figure out homeless homelessness." And I was like, "How? Uh, how? <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's great. If we just get rid of homeless, we we won't have an issue of homeless people in the park. Like, it was it was such a." a non sequitur that that the news ended up citing this person like it was a profound statement like oh you know what we haven't tried uh we haven't tried uh helping the homeless not be homeless oh okay um yeah what a novel for those idea. who yeah well and 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 Kalamazoo is is like i said there's like four different spots that you can sleep in in different areas uh and they all have rules uh as as they should um there are there are people who've made it their ministry to to um, help people uh, through through uh, the transition of homelessness, uh, then out of homelessness, and uh, there's about eleven different places that you can go for a meal. Um, to say that Kalamazoo is is not a uh, uh, a good place for homeless people is just wrong. Um, most of the issues occur within the homeless community th- themselves. You know, you obviously have high, higher drug use, you have higher forms of of uh, mental illness. Um, so I think that's what a lot of people are complaining about. But at the same time, uh, it's public property. It's able to be accessed by anybody. Yeah, for for because um, they're mainly talking about Bronson Park downtown too. And that kind of park, like, you know, it's not a park that really has park hours. Like, you know, some parks will close gates and be like, oh, we're only open, you know, we close it open from dusk to dawn. Um, but I mean, yeah, I is, mean, it's just a flat, flat open area, really. Yeah, it's just a, 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 a kind of city park that takes up what a block, block and two blocks, maybe two blocks yeah, wide, maybe a block, block and a half. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I mean, they're really not going to keep people away from it. And I mean, unless you fenced it off, 
they want to fence yeah. it off and then but like you said it's a public park so that's that's right. the the burden that comes with having a public park is it's a place where homeless people are gonna end up going because it's got grass and I mean, it's nice right i mean how, how are you really gonna throw people off so uh you know uh, the, the the law said something about um that uh if, if you slept there for two hours uh then you could be ticketed well what, what if i was out uh reading a book and it was so nice outside that i took a quick little nap and i was out there for two and a half uh, i'm not transient should i get a ticket as well well i mean yeah for the law being applied equally which we know the law is always applied equally always always <laughs> um so uh, of course i have uh, since i've been speaking more on libertarian issues i've been getting more vocal uh and stirring up trouble on on social media and uh one of my comments uh to the news article was uh to to figure this out what should happen is that they should privatize the park you, you if you make it somebody's then that person is able to control access and um and you would actually have a Im- improvement upon the the grounds but uh, uh then you might have um uh, monuments or, or fountains that go up that have uh, naughty images on them, like uh, the, the truth that Native Americans were being subjugated by uh, settlers. Oh, man, we, we definitely can't have that. So let's all forget about that. Um, but uh, people really took umbrage to it. Uh, someone uh, commented that uh, if it was privatized, that it would be built up within uh, a short time span. Someone just said that, the, that they just couldn't believe that I would suggest such a thing. And that's that's the problem. What, what if what if the best use for that property isn't a park? What what if the best use is for a, a business? Um, you know, it's right in the middle of downtown. It really doesn't do much of anything other than it seems just to to house people, as 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 has been the complaint. Um, you know, they, they they turned off the fountains. They they used to let people just wade through it, but then um, there was too many complaints about people bathing in it. <laughs> and uh, and so if if you put it in someone's control, you make that person responsible for it. You can still have full full access, just just as you would with a business. Anybody can come in until such a point in time that uh, you ask them to leave. And I've I've been in a, a meeting before with with downtown businesses who are um, complaining ad nauseum. They've been doing this for months and months and months. They were talking to the police there. They had members of the community there. They had uh, local leaders there, and they were complaining about, oh, you know, the uh, people smoking on on the the areas outside their stores and um, sleeping on the sidewalks outside their stores. And I was ordered to stay silent during that meeting, but all I just wanted to say was, all this could be t- t- taken up and 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 done away with if you just privatize it. You allow people to come, and if they started smoking, you ask them to leave. You then control the property. But when it's public property, you have the tragedy of the commons. It's plain and simple. So, you what 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 is there to prevent um, really somebody from laying claim to that spot to lay down or to smoke or whatever it might be? Yeah, and I mean it's the whole trying cops trying to kick them out or get them going. I mean, you can't trespass somebody on public property, especially if they're. Especially if they kept their, if they, you know, they keep their non-sleeping hours. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not sleeping. I'm sitting on a bench. So, you know, get away from me is all they got to say, you know. Well, and, you know, it's it's one of those things where it, you're not going to get rid of the homeless problem in an area that is beneficial to homeless people because uh, without a cost associated to a service, you're going to have 
people come in and utilize those services. Now, charity, it's it's way different than just a government program uh, because there's still a charity is still able to discriminate and prioritize costs and uh, services, and um, obviously they know how many people they can um, uh, fill up before you know they're they're at capacity, which yeah. uh, we see with some of the local ones. Yeah. Um, so obviously, my uh, my suggestion was not heeded by by anybody. Uh, the measure was voted down, and uh, like all uh, good government decisions, uh, it's become a stalemate. So the people who complained that kicked off the the suggestion for the new improved ordinances, uh, whether they're uh, improved is is a matter of uh, taste there. But uh, so they're still unhappy. You have the homeless people who now feel like they're attacked. They're unhappy. The people who supported the homeless people, well, uh, I'm pretty sure most of them were keyboard warriors and uh, people who come out to speak against but uh, uh, probably don't uh, uh, contribute to uh, solving homelessness, as the one woman would say. And I just want to say, how many homeless people are you putting up in, in your house? Because that's the only way to defeat homelessness is giving them homes. Um, and uh, And so... We see government hits an impasse and allows nobody to be happy because with with public land, uh, you you cannot uh, trespass somebody from because everyone's the holder of that property, which is also untrue because obviously the government, if they wanted to, could kick you off that if they wanted to with the police or with rules. So they could they could make it you know a, a donk to dust. Well, you know I I I own my house and I. I'm able to access it any, at any time, whether dawn or dusk. Um, so it, it doesn't really make sense that uh, those rules are in place for um, public land to be to be held as as a, a time frame either. Yeah, I think I, I'm going back to the you know decriminalization and everything like that. That was the that was the most I don't know the funniest thing to me with all these people fighting against it. They're because um, their biggest it's it really seemed like reading the article their biggest argument was. You know that that the government was trying to fix the homeless problem by criminalizing being homeless, when there is literally eight pages of current sections pertaining to like the park and homelessness and everything like that, and I would say a good majority of the all those those sections would have been amended from for going from misdemeanors down to civil infractions like the 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 biggest one like I said the sleeping one. Technically, um, sleeping in a park uh, from 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. is a misdemeanor right now. And they would have changed it from 8 p.m. to noon, but it would have been a civil infraction. So that's that's the funniest thing to me. Like, Not that I agree with with ticketing or anything like that of the homeless being in a public on public property, but uh, so many people just never took the time to read an article or, or really ask what was really going on with this whole thing because all they were worried about was oh you're trying to criminalize when in reality they were decriminalizing it so they kind of like shot themselves in the foot for that because now a bunch of homeless people are still going to be facing misdemeanor charges for something that could have been just a civil infraction and a lot of times you know maybe a cop dealing with that might have just been like hey just get out of here and i won't do anything but it's a misdemeanor now yeah. so I, and I mean that does talk to the point of our non-aggression principle. Are we willing to to throw homeless people in cages and deprive them of life, liberty, and and what property they do have, in order to 
just move them out of an area where people who don't like it are are uh, at. So, you know, a, a misdemeanor is jail time. Uh, it's court fees. It's fines. It's uh, a clogging of the system, which isn't always the the worst thing. But uh, uh, and then on top of that, you might not have the police actually enforce it. So, you know, is it is it even worth having on the books if no one's enforcing it? Because uh, we walk past that park uh, almost every night, and every night you can find somebody in there, and you don't see uh, the police who uh, sometimes have uh, nothing nothing to do at all uh, go through and, and do sweeps of it. All right, uh, next news story. Uh, I found a really interesting article uh, from Popular Mechanics that was posting this uh, really interesting video from City Beautiful uh, uh, YouTube page. Uh, it's about uh, Disney World and how it's run internally as a government, but not just internally, but how it is situated as its own private government within the state of Florida. Uh, the news article talks about um, the, and, and this is a, a Disney World uh, in Florida, not Disneyland in California, uh, talking about how uh, Walt Disney uh, made uh, uh, some mistakes uh, he thought when when he opened Disney land. And so uh, going to Disney World, uh, he really wanted to petition the Florida government to allow him to do more. And so uh, he acquired 27,000 acres to make up Disney World for only $5 million in 1965. And once land was secured, um, they campaigned for pretty much total control over the area. So uh, what I thought we would do is uh, we'd uh, listen to the video uh, and um, uh, comment along the way because there's a lot of interesting points here that uh, we'd like to discuss. Walt Disney World is huge. It consists of four theme parks, 27 hotels with 21,000 rooms, over 30,000 parking spaces, shopping, water parks, and all of the backstage areas needed to run such a massive operation. Walt Disney World is set on 27,000 acres in Central Florida, roughly the size of the city of San Francisco. It's also the most visited resort in the world. Its impressive size and record-setting visitor attendance are amazing, for sure. But what might be even more amazing, especially to a city-planning nerd like me, is the special district that gives Disney unprecedented control over its land and municipal services. This video tells that story of how the special district came to be and how Disney uses it to control its parks. Alright, so I just have to pause here to make a quick comment. So. Uh, here you have a, a massive land use. Why isn't there rampant crime in this area? Like, why isn't why why aren't people getting murdered? Why isn't uh, uh, rapes occurring? I mean, I'm sure there are there is crime afoot within it. But if you think about the size of it, it's he says it's the size of a small city. So what's the difference then between a city and Disney World? Well, yeah, not even just a small city. I mean, well, if you count all the twenty seven thousand acres, it's the size of San Francisco. Yeah. So here you have a private business willing to, uh, first of all, they, they have a, a cost fee associated with it, so there's a barrier of entry there. But you also have a, a, a group of people who are like-minded, who are controlling the property and its use. So you have the ability to um, uh, enforce your rules and, and, and have it uh, be protected uh, beyond what just the legal requirements are. Um, you have people that want to be there. You have people who are all working together in, in the sense of, of societally to you know form lines. And I'm sure there's cutting from time to time, but no one is sticking a gun in someone's ribs and saying, hey, I'm moving to the head of the line because uh, th there's uh, uh, security that can come through and evict that person from the property. 
So it's just interesting that the the, the size and the makeup doesn't seem to uh, to encourage crime rate as as what we see in cities that that are are publicly owned and administrated. Our story begins in the early 60s. Disneyland in Southern California was a huge success for Walt Disney and his company, and now his thoughts turn toward expansion. He had several possibilities in mind, including potential parks in St. Louis, Missouri, Niagara Falls, New York, Washington, D.C., and Monterey, California. The most likely option, however, was a second Disneyland somewhere in the state of Florida. In the 1960s, Florida wasn't the resort destination we know it as today, particularly in Central Florida, which was then primarily orange groves and swamps. But where most saw swamps, Disney saw opportunity, and a whole lot of land. One of Disney's regrets about Disneyland was that he didn't buy more land around the park. Instead, low-quality development grew up around the park and clashed with the high-quality environment Disney created inside the park. Disney wanted enough land to build the park the way he wanted, with a buffer or greenbelt surrounding it. Disney chose the Central Florida location. Wait, so you're telling me that a, a rich guy who wants to promote businesses actually wants a, a, a green buffer around him? I, I was told that business people hate the environment. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Over the other possibilities, in 1963... And by 1964, he was scouting the area for tracts of land large enough for his ambitions. The company eventually settled on 27,000 acres near a newly built highway that connected Tampa to Orlando. Disney did his best to acquire the land secretly to avoid triggering land speculation that would increase the cost of the land. His lawyers in charge of purchasing the parcels had served in military intelligence during World War II and knew how to keep a secret. And they used several different companies, none with Disney's name, to acquire the properties. In the end, he was able to buy the entire area for a little more than $5 million, a bargain, even in 1965. I'm going to focus on the legal and planning issues around establishing a large resort complex. It's really interesting, actually, in part because of how massive it is. First of all, the 27,000 acres spanned two counties, Orange and Osceola. The company worried about how each county would assess and tax the property, particularly in the early stages when only a small part of the property would be developed. They obviously preferred that the entire property not be taxed as if it was a resort, but as a primarily agricultural property with its lower tax rates. They also worried about other legal issues, like the possibility of the property would be involuntarily annexed into Orlando, or how local planning and zoning ordinances would apply to the property. And what about the waterways that crisscrossed it? Would they have to be publicly navigable? There's clearly a lot of uncertainty around the city planning issues facing the property. Again, Disney's thoughts turned to Disneyland and the low-quality development surrounding it. So as a person who uh, deals uh, on a monthly basis with uh, land use development like this, um, these are things that businesses have to contend with. And a lot of it's just uh, the fact of uh, it's it's land that is controlled by a, a government entity. Again, it's still, you're, you're purchasing land from somebody else, most likely. Uh, but all those things that he, that he listed uh, had to do with uh, publicly owned or accessible things, uh, land use plans uh, or land use developments and uh businesses have uh, already hard enough barriers to come in and government just adds more to that um, and I, I just I just do like the fact though that here you have swampland and and uh, a agricultural zone and he's gonna be able to convince people that uh, it's not a resort but a agricultural zone um, and uh, and and it's just really interesting to see that what everyone else saw is swampland uh, it just takes one business visionary to come about and say, I'm going to turn this into the happiest place on earth. Yeah. It's, it's funny that when they were talking about how his lawyers got it and through companies with no, with his name, not tied to it. Cause they were worried about people trying to raise the prices just cause they were like, Oh, Walt Disney's trying to buy this. So 
we're going to charge you know, more. A former military intelligence guy. You know, if, if that's the military industrial complex uh, uh, post uh, uh, post government work, I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> right. What Disney really wanted was control and the ability to do it right, to do it his way. Disney officials floated the idea that maybe Disney World property should be its own municipality. That way it could control its own planning and zoning and its own taxation. The company wouldn't be beholden to the politics of two county boards of supervisors. The only problem was that there wasn't a lot of precedent for a corporation founding a municipality. They would need the approval of the Florida legislature to create a special district. Now, special districts were then and are now a fairly common form of local government, even though they fly under the radar for most people. Utility districts, irrigation districts, and park districts are all examples of special districts. They are usually established to administer one thing. Disney wanted to administer everything. The company had another problem, too. I, I, I just, uh, I, I don't know how it's possible that uh, a company could think it's within their own best interest to determine what to build and how much to build on their own property. I mean, I'm told that central planners have to do that because they're the smart ones, right? Yeah, how dare a business think they know how to run their own business? <laughs> yeah, you buy a plot of land and you go, well, you know, I'd like to put a grain silo there. And you have to file a fee, uh, pay taxes on it. Uh, it. If it's not already al- allowed uh, within the ordinances, you have to go before a planning commission and beg for you to do what's not written, but you have to ask for pr- approval and permission to do on your property what you will. You can't just do it and then after the fact, uh, if they don't like it, they can come knocking on your door. Um, you have to go and seek approval. And uh, they say c- control. they wanted to control their own taxes. D- do you think they tax themselves a lot? Nope. Yeah, exactly. What? Because tax tax is a a, a barrier of, uh, for entry for them. Um, so uh, this this trying to break away and and I mean really form their own type of government seems to uh, to have worked out for them. Yeah, and could you imagine how crappy of a park Disney World would have been if they had to like they were saying they had to go <laughs> through two county boards and anytime they wanted to build anything or add anything to the park like th- this this would be the unhappiest place on earth if they if they hadn't granted them their own <laughs> private government it's like the episode of simpsons where the irs takes over the crusty burger <laughs> and uh they fill out uh the the tax documents they say they'll get their uh, hamburger within four to eight weeks yeah i, I just imagine, uh first of all we we it took six years to build this roller coaster because uh old mod over there uh d- didn't like the the blue the blue steel uh, she wanted the purple one because it matches her posies more. And then uh, we have to have uh, definitely two lines, one for the poor and one for the not-so-poor. And uh, somehow eventually the, the poor line would become degraded over time and the rich side wouldn't be. Um, and then there'd be crazy people that says, well, you know, why don't we just turn this over to people who, who have a stake in the game and they'll be called crazy. Yeah. Special districts, like cities and counties, are administered by boards that are elected by the residents of the district. Disney officials recommended that they never build any homes on the property, so essentially the company would have total control over the special district board and wouldn't have to appease residents of the district. Now, Disney himself wanted to build his experimental prototype community of tomorrow, or Epcot. The original plan for Epcot was not the weird combination of dated technology pavilions and people-scale country dioramas it is today, but instead a new vision for urban living that would be the home to real people. So how did they solve this problem? When the state legislature created the special district in 1967, dubbed the Reedy Creek Improvement District, they granted voting rights to landowners only, and landowners got as many votes as acres they owned. 
Thus, renters and owners of less than a half acre were not allowed to vote for district supervisors. So what I like about this is Disney has a plan to do this kind of world of tomorrow to see how cities of the future would look like. And it's almost meta in the sense that he then develops probably one of the best ways to set up future cities, which is uh, to, to privatize places and and uh, have voting rights based on how much acreage you own. Uh, but unfortunately, we, we tried that with land ownership back in the day, and we were uh, it, it was called a racist policy. Hmm. Yeah. Florida State Legislature granted the company the extraordinary control it was looking for as well. These powers included land reclamation, water and flood control, waste collection and disposal, pest control, fire protection, issuance of bonds, land use, and building regulations. Whoa, whoa. They gave control up of all those. And, and of course, we know that Disney has failed completely. And that's why we need the government to, to be able to to have w- waste collection disposal and I- I- insurance of issuance of bonds and building regulations and land use and fire protection and land rec- reclamation. All those things couldn't possibly have been solved by Disney. Right. And I mean, wouldn't we now, wouldn't we already have seen the great Disney World fire where it all burns to ashes because some private company... <laughs> took over the fire department, and then sat there and said, ah, oh, no, we don't feel like putting that fire out. That's what happens, right? Yeah. Oh, oh wait, that, that's, Disney that's World's still there. It's never burnt <laughs> down. It's... Oh, imagine that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so all these things, uh, when 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 uh, a plan is brought to me from a business, and unfortunately I, I, I have to be a, a purveyor of it, but I'm always, always there on the side of liberty. Um, these are things that, the the municipality can impose upon a business instead of just saying figure it out yourself as long as you don't hurt uh, any other properties around you uh, there's there's money wasted taxpayer money wasted there's um, not arbitrary rules it's not quite arbitrary I'll, I'll, I'll say but uh, there are there are requirements imposed upon businesses where it might not always be in their best interest or what the best uh, type of use is so if you think of like water and flood control you know um, well you, you have to have a drain drainage field uh, well what if I want to uh, co- collect the the, the drain uh, drained water uh, and feed it back into uh, the building for use for coolant or what have you uh, well nope if the the planning commission says that you have to have it go to a drain field then it must go to drain field or you can find somewhere else to go but here Dis- Disney has taken care of it they were able to, to find a way to do all these things that we're told are, are almost exclusively government centralized. Yep. And I, I haven't heard, I mean, I don't, don't hold me to this, but I haven't heard of Disney World flooding. So I think they're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. And in a place where uh, you have hurricanes and uh, tr- tropical rainfall, um, it's, it's only grown larger since the 1960s um and yeah i mean you had chicago burn and and light on fire but you've never had that with disney yeah london burned yeah and and people always say that disney world is like the cleanest place on earth too so <laughs> yeah there are there are literally videos you can watch of of uh, uh custodians uh using a wet mop to draw a, a donald duck caricature uh on the cement with the the water I mean, you know, the the place the place works. That that's the thing. Like, I'm sure underneath there there are a lot of politics involved, internal politics, 
But at the end of the day, they've been going strong for uh, 50 years because they've been able to adapt. They've been able to change. They haven't had to go to a, a central source that only meets once a month to figure out if uh, you know they should tear down a building or build a new building. Uh, they went to a board of directors or a plant. Uh, I think they call them Imagineers, and they just kind of give them free reign to to be creative. But I just like the fact that Epcot was kind of designed for this futuristic look. And yeah, it's funny to go through it now and see how it's dated. But at the same time, what if we just took the Disney model itself and and kind of metaized it and uh, allowed for for these these uh, private uh, cities to arise? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, and, and we'll talk about that when we go to our, our education part, but you have 50 different states. You have, you know, how many thousands of counties? You have how many hundreds of thousands of cities? You have how many other, you know, bifurcations of that? And you're telling me that we can't, you know, do experimentation to see whether or not uh, a, a certain makeup, a certain design works better than the others so that... Uh, hey, this one failed, but this one did a little bit better. Oh, this one did a lot better. Let's tweak that and just have a decentralized version of it. Why are we beholden to this idea that um, you know a, an elected body is is the best way uh, to to organize uh, society around? And if you ever want to do anything concerning your own property or your own person, then uh, you have to go ask for permission to do pretty much anything. Yeah, you think uh, you think by now we would ha- would have had more places that have tried this kind of thing too. Yeah, they probably didn't have the clout that Walt Disney did back in the 1960s. I I, I got to think that uh, probably his lawyers and probably the 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 ex military dude uh, tried to try to slip enough uh, un- underneath those councils that uh, they probably got their way that you wouldn't ever find today. Yeah, well, just not everybody can be as woke as Walt Disney. well yeah because his head is still frozen yeah and yes i know that's an urban myth but that's what makes the joke funny it was successful in getting these powers from the legislature for a few reasons first florida was eager to have disney in the state tourists back then flocked to florida's beaches and now disney was giving central florida a massive economic engine second walt disney yeah that's the thing businesses breed business you're gonna have a like uh, even in disneyland you had uh people come in you had a, a low uh, avenue of entry, and you had all these, you know, kind of what Disney considered like crappy shops pop up and, and built up around it. But you, you're also driving in a desire for other businesses to come in. It's, it's a good business only brings in other good businesses and, and uh, other types of, of uh, uh, centralized living. So you have houses built uh, in in business or in in different developments because uh, you want your workers to to be close by enough so that they can come work for you, and that expands upon not just a, a, a large business like Disney, but then you have you know uh, franchisees pop up with uh, you know your McDonald's and all your your other other types of business. So um, this isn't a a this only benefits Disney. This benefits everybody in that area, and. For, for people that want to um, kind of uh, say, oh, well, you know, this, this spot's too commercialized and too built up, then they're able to uh, move and form their own administrative uh, uh, private neighborhood and say, we want to keep uh, all businesses out and we only want this to be a residential area. It doesn't have to be from a central planning area. It just has to be enough people who agree upon it to make a contract between each other. 
Yeah, and I, the Central Florida and Orlando, like they wouldn't be anything what they are today if Disney hadn't moved in there and and built up this great private government in the middle of nowhere. Died in 1966, and he was a beloved figure at the time. His death likely added some sentimentality to the vote. And finally, at the time, the company was still committed to people living in Epcot, and the state wanted to be home to a new experimental community. In fact, many of the powers they bestowed upon the district alluded to this futuristic community. For example, the section allowing the district to operate transportation systems included a line that allowed them to develop systems now or hereafter invented or developed, including without limitation, novel and experimental facilities. But wait, we need permission in order to do this. What, what if uh, someone puts a, uh, a nuclear-powered engine in a car and it just blows up and kills a bunch of people? How, how dare they? Who gave them permission? So now the company had its special district with extreme control over their property. They went even farther than that, though. In addition to the special district, the state legislature approved two new cities within the district, the city of Reedy Creek and the city of Bay Lake. Disney controls these cities by only allowing a handful of Disney employees to live there. When the state legislature established the two cities, they were able to do pretty much the same things the district was. I say pretty much because there were a few additional powers granted to the cities. They include the authority to build and maintain healthcare facilities, the authority to provide police services, authority to regulate the sale of alcohol, and authority to establish and operate a municipal court. Basically, Disney can issue itself a liquor license when it sets up a new restaurant. And we saw the anarchy that occurred because they were able to have their own police force and issued out all these uh, alcohol sales, right? Yeah. That's what we see. Yeah, D- Disney is thing... Escape from L.A., and we need to send Snake Plissken in. Yeah, the interesting thing is they have the power to set up their own police force, but they, I found in an article they have 800 security staff, but arrests and citations are issued by the Florida Highway Patrol and uh, along with Orange County and the Osceola County Sheriff's deputies. So mm-hmm. they have the power to have their entire own police force, but they still allow the actual like sheriffs and police to come in for arresting and writing citations. Sure. Well, I'm sure it's probably cheaper for them, but um, they probably could do away with not having the police in there at all. Yeah, they totally could. And they have the power to. But uh, how about medical facilities? Uh, obviously, those have to be super regulated too, right? I mean, the, you, you hear people used to just croak left and right at Disney because of the unregulated nature of their medical facilities. Well, and of course, uh, anyone it, with like Medicare or something like that would obviously be turned away at a private hospital, right? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. we won't treat you. We don't care about you. You're not giving me money. Yeah, right. Exactly. Furthermore, the state legislature allowed the cities to provide these services to nearby municipalities, which of course included the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Now, despite the ability to have a police force and operate courts, the cities and district do not operate them. Still, the state legislature gave the cities and district, and really the Disney Corporation, vast authority over their property. This authority was challenged in court in 1968 by the state of Florida. Yes, the state actually challenged the powers they gave Disney in court, and Disney won. But wait, I thought the state didn't make uh, mistakes. Uh, it, they, they, they knew full well what was being asked of them, and they just gave up power. And once they realized, oh, wait, we don't have that much power, they went, oops, now we need to sue them and take them to court. It's probably because they realized all, all the tax revenue they'd miss out on, too. Exactly. Exactly. They probably thought it was going to get built up just like uh, uh, Disneyland was. And, yeah, it did drive in a few businesses here and there, and that's what they'd really get their tax money on. But we really want them to come instead of going to Washington, D.C., 
Oh man, could you imagine them trying to trying to get this type of deal in Washington D.C.? Oh my gosh. Well, the interesting thing too is I found an article that you know Disney still pays property taxes on their land because it says uh, the only areas where the district had to submit to the county and state would be property taxes and elevator inspections. <laughs> so they still have to get state elevator inspections, but they they do pay their property taxes. So. Uh, but I mean, I, I can only imagine the kind of taxes would be levied against them. Like for instance, I mean, what is it to buy a ticket? Like, I mean, it's still pretty pricey to buy a ticket, like a hundred dollars or so. Sure. Yeah. But Probably. I mean, the, the, the amount that would skyrocket if they wouldn't have been their own private government and would have had to pay all these taxes in two separate counties, get a board approval. So not only would the park be crappier, but it would probably almost, I mean, this is just, estimating but it'd be way more maybe double i don't know depending on how much taxes they have to pay disney actually wanted the case because winning the legal challenge provided them with legal finality they had the legislature's approval and the courts confirmed it the reedy creek improvement district and the two cities weren't going anywhere through the special district disney has built transportation water and stormwater infrastructure and provided many necessary services including fire protection to its guests and cast members sure the company doesn't pay taxes to nearby counties but it also doesn't expect them to provide any services. And, and I think that's that's the key part that I liked about about uh, this guy's um, presentation. They didn't expect anything from it. Allow people to opt out. Don't make me pay social security social security tax uh, or or force my employer to steal from me for you like a common enforcer thug. Allow me to opt up uh, opt out, and I won't expect anything from you, please. Yeah, that would be nice because, I mean, that would mean on your own private land, you could just be like, no, I opt out of all these things. I don't, you know, if my house starts burning, I'll put it out. It's not the burdens on me. And now I don't have to pay taxes for that. Or I will police my own land. You know, someone trespasses on my land. I'll write them a ticket in the court of man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can take that to arbitration. You can... You can, I mean, it, it's, it's how it works today. Uh, you know, I, I live in a developed area that uh, is a private neighborhood, and it's not like the, the terrible HOAs, but it's a, a group of fairly like-minded people who kind of have a live-let-live attitude, and uh, we come together and we're pooling money together to, to rebuild the, our road. So, again, it's another thing that, of course, we, we have to have the government to do, except like even with the fire protection thing, I'm sure their ins- insurance company would require it. Um, it. It makes no sense to allow a building to, to burn down. Uh, so this idea that the rich don't care about people, I mean, you have to have people come to your your uh, uh, development or your amusement park. They pay money and you use that money to further develop and live and pay people and uh, be a CEO and, and um all that so it's a a a benefit to protect your property yeah and i think that i mean like the interesting thing with you said like where you live you're pulling together money because you your hoa or whatever owns the road right right yeah yeah so it's nice that like you know you have a big pothole you just have to go to your neighbors and be like hey guys let's just pull some money together to, to patch this hole real quick and you can get it done that quickly or if you hated it that much you could just patch the hole yourself if you had all the if you exactly. Had the money. Yeah. But and yeah. I wouldn't know, have with, to put a domino stamp on it like Domino's has. <laughs> yeah, with public 
streets and everything like that, you're going to have to go petition the government and then they're going to tell you, you know, oh, well, we've got enough potholes. We'll get to it. We'll put it on the list and it'll get fixed 20 years later when the road has, you know, 18 more potholes in it. Yeah. And you're going to have a municipality, a local municipality argue with the county that it's their road. No, it's your road. Oh, the, the, this uh, this type of road needs to be fixed immediately because it's a failing road. Well, no, it's not that bad. It shouldn't be a failing road. Uh, but you need to give us money in order to, to help us out build this road. Well, you need to put forth 70% for us to give you 30%. So it's this bizarre understanding of, of what actually fixing is. And especially here in Michigan, we know the roads are terrible. Why is that? Well, it's, it's an, because they just they don't care. Yeah, it's an ongoing joke about Michigan roads. Like there's the videos right. where people are driving from, you know, Indiana or Ohio, crossing over the border into um michigan and they're on smooth roads and then all of a sudden it's just pothole 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 you know bump here bump there which i noticed the other day michigan experience the other day coming back from indiana uh at least on highway 69 they have now paved the first few miles into michigan so it's they're deceiving you they're like (laughs) oh welcome to michigan here's nice roads and then you get a couple miles in and it's back to the crap roads yeah. Well, and how long did it take for them to actually fix that? Uh, yeah. I always say that uh, the the was it one thirty one in Jackson has oh, been gosh. on under construction for since I've I've been in college. So uh, that was uh, like fifteen years ago. So it, I just don't believe it's ever not been out of construction. You mean ninety four? Ninety four. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, I know. I've I've driven there because my parents live over, and my sister live over near Detroit, and I I've driven that route quite a few times now in like the past year and unless it's winter you see the orange cones everywhere in jackson they might make they might move you know a football field at a time per year but you know they're always working on it yeah well and and working under a contract with the government so there's no uh real big incentive to go quickly or to minimize loss because you have the government as your bankroll. So you've agreed to a contract that says, Hey, you pay us, you know, $30 million and we'll get this done. Okay. Approved. All right. Well, there we go. Now there's no, there's no incentive to minimize costs. There's no, other than the fact that you would possibly get voted out, but how many people uh, vote people out based on one issue, like overspending on roads? Not a lot. This arrangement really seems like a win-win-win situation. The state gets a massive economic development engine, the counties don't have to regulate and administer the resort, and the Disney Corporation gets to fulfill Walt Disney's vision of a resort built with total corporate control. The company never built Epcot as Walt Disney dreamed it, but they did build a community called Celebration on district land in the 1990s. The company de-annexed the land from the district so Celebration residents wouldn't have any control over the resort. And so we know that uh, the Disney Corporation has enslaved those people, and uh, we're, we really started this podcast to, to, to cry out for those, those slaves that are being held under the, the watchful eye of the, the Mickey Mouse. Yeah, didn't you know they're, they're not allowed to take their costume helmet off in, while in the park? <laughs> they have to wait until they get to the back. Oh, man. I mean, where, where are these evil overlords? They should rise up. They have complete freedom they have the ability to jail people they have the ability to uh control their their uh medical costs they could they could experiment on these people uh they they could uh um cause people to to 
um, be beholden to only using what is it, uh, uh, Disney dollars. I don't know. Do they still do Disney dollars? They they did back in like 1986. No idea. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, they. I mean, they have their own currency. I mean, it's probably currency that's actually worth something instead of just uh, randomly printed up uh, fiat money. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing I thought I forgot to say for the last part was um, when they got finality when when the the state challenged them. It's kind of funny too because by getting the court to uphold the you know Disney World having their own private government, it's it's also set up a precedence. So if another corporation or somebody down the road wanted to try this, granted it would probably be a lot harder, but they could make the the argument of precedence that since the government allowed this to happen, then you know they should yeah. allow another corporation to move in and do the same thing. Which again kind of does prove the point of of what we started this podcast for is that here you have uh, a a corporation that that encouraged uh, probably, oh, five to 18 people from two different boards uh, to give them the ability to do so. And it doesn't seem like uh, the state of Florida really uh, uh, accepted that uh, until the end when it was found that everything was done legally and in order. But if you get eight to 18 people on a board, this is the type of, of experimentation that we can accomplish. It doesn't have to be a top-down federal system where, where we've, we've changed you know, the 32nd Amendment to allow for the legalization of drugs. We can just do it. We can do it at a local level. This is, this is where uh, it should be done because, hey, this could fail. Like a, a perfect example, Epcot was a failure. It 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 uh, it was outdated. It didn't open correctly. Um, Disney has made mistakes before. There's that uh, that water park that I forget that I always love watching ur- urban exploration uh, videos on, where you can go to the the water park and it's all overgrown and stuff. Oh, so yeah. they've had failures as well, but that's able to be mitigated against a, 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 an already thriving business, um, and that's that's just the nature of business. Uh, the the the. Uh, Disney didn't view that section of the park as well. You know, uh, it's too big to fail, or, or uh, well, we'll just let it be run down and and overgrown, and we'll send the police in and to over enforce the area because that's where obviously all the criminals are. Um, so, uh, you know, businesses do fail, and and libertarian is libertarianism is always touted as this uh, you know utopian uh, dreamscape that we all have. But libertarian is the complete opposite of that. Libertarian is not afraid to say, hey, uh, we don't know the full-on best system, but let's do a lot of experimentation and let's have people have the skin in the game and not just you know, randomly do uh, what, whatever suits people. Let, let's have a, 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 uh, an economic understanding of things. Let's have a social, uh, social understanding of things. Let's have an ed- educated awareness of, of the subject we're talking about. And let's, let's do experiments to see what is the best model. And we see that in businesses all the time. We see that uh, even within families. Um, but when you have government, it's, nope, this is the way it must be done. And it takes a large uh, sweep to, to have to kind of build up momentum to, to make a change, especially if it's somebody's pet project. Uh, you know, in government, a pet project can be a boondoggle, you know, the bridge to nowhere. Um, uh, you know, uh, your cousin Vinny gets uh, the, the government contract. But with businesses, if, if you um, operate in a completely free market system, this, this is where you could thrive, and it's also where it could kill you, uh, as far as the business, not you personally, unless you, you know, 
uh, are so <laughs> invested you jump out the window. Yeah. But uh, but I, I just I just love this video because it should have gone wrong every time we're every time i suggest within a, an open meeting uh uh at the at the township that uh, we should privatize our, our fire department i'm i'm looked at like i've i've got a second head but uh you know uh, disney's done it and there are ways to do it there there we just have to have an agreement that we can do things better when people hold on to their property are able to do what they want with their property without uh, encroaching upon another person's uh property or freedom and uh, if we just um, go out there and experiment and, and, and not be afraid of, of all that stuff being taken away from us because, you know, you, you built a, uh, a, a tool shed, but you didn't get a tool shed permit. So now you have a lien on your property. Yeah. But this was, it was just a really interesting video. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing about how they you know they did end up having residents living in an area, but they annexed it off, so they couldn't so they couldn't hold the power of the like the landowners and being able to vote on things. It's, I mean, most people would look at that and think, oh, what what an evil thing to do. Like these people live in that area, but again, like the company and the board of directors decided that like yeah, we'll have people live here, but we don't want them deciding on what's best for the company. And so right. fast forward. Disney World's still doing pretty good. I'm sure those residents are living in a really nice area. Uh, probably property. I mean, I don't know about their, their taxes are probably a whole lot lower than uh, the people that live, you know, outside in those in those dang public governments. And uh, and you know, Disney World's still turning a profit and doing good and, and putting smiles on people's faces and not burning down to the yeah. ground, <laughs> which we know should be happening any minute now. Yeah, that or people should just be dying left and right in fires because, you know, private fire fighting companies, they just don't, they just don't want to save lives. That's that's what people have said. That's what I've had people tell well, me. Well, not if it costs too much money, never. Yeah. Oh, that's going to cost me too much money. It's not like ambulances cost I mean, too much money. <laughs> Think how how bad PR that would be if that got the case. You wouldn't have people go there. You you wouldn't have families bring their children because it'd be too dangerous. And on top of that, you have the insurance company probably saying, um, "No, you need really good fire protection system because we don't want to uh, pay out a claim of you know a a, 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 a you know a thirty thirty person family on six different floors being burned alive because not only do we have to pay to." Uh, pay Disney, but we have to pay for each of those families, and then anything found negligent, we have to um, uh, have a lawsuit for. Yeah, so it's, it's it drives it drives good business because uh, unlike the the idea of Keynesian economics, which is uh, this this top down mentality, um, prices are determined by the consumer, and and that's not only uh, a monetary price, but it's also kind of a, a societal price. It's hey, I I. Uh, you know, if if you go to like a uh, uh, a haunted house area, um, you go to a kind of a shady one, and you you have the understanding of well, you know, uh, if this place burns down, I'm I'm kind of in an area where I understand that uh, I'm in a giant hayfield. Okay, so you have a risk that you've assessed, and you decide whether or not it's it's safe. And obviously, they do uh, what they can to mitigate any fires from occurring. But if you go into a building that says, hey, we're going to trap you in here, that uh, you either have to follow the path forward or follow the path backwards, um, and you look overhead and you have a full-on fire suppression system, you go, okay, I feel a little bit more safer in here than I would in a, a combustible field. It's, it's making those, those judgments as, a, as an informed consumer. And 
going back to like the homeless uh, uh, criteria where uh, you said that people didn't even read the bills that they were looking at, uh, that they were criticizing, you have uh, people doing that and voting. But when they vote with their own movement, with their own body, um, as long as it's not hurting other people, they're more informed about that. But you don't have to be that way to be a voter. You just you just should go out and vote. And I see all these people, especially during the primaries, I don't care who you vote for, just go out and vote. No, no, don't vote if you're not informed. Maybe you don't vote at all. Um, it's just it's one of those odd things where you're it, it, it doesn't register to people that uh, those two those two things are completely opposed to each other. But we think it's it's the same. Yeah. I gotta say too, with the whole making things private, I mean, the upside there is, it's a private company. Something goes wrong, you've got, uh, you've got, you uh, an area to point the blame at. You can you can narrow it down to, hey, you know, Disney World did this and caused this thing, so they're the ones to blame. Like you, you you don't have to worry about you know, it's just oh well, this government thing didn't work, so we need to file more money into it to make it work now. Like no, yeah, Disney yeah, World, yeah. Disney World, or, or this private company, whatever, did something wrong, you know, and and now we can blame them and not use this private company anymore. So yeah, you should definitely check out uh, that video. Um, we'll leave a link into the description, uh, especially on the, the Facebook and and uh, Twitter and all the other ones that we post at. Speaking of which, we also have a Twitter, which is at road underscore the number two freedom. And then we also have a Facebook page, which we started a group for discussion. Uh, so you can join us there on uh, on Facebook as well until we get shut down because we're too conservative, I guess. I, I don't, I don't but hey, it's, it's, it is a private company we're using, so they have the right to, to <laughs> yeah, shut so, us down. Yeah, we, 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 we shouldn't have any say as, as consumers of that product what, what should happen on a platform that we utilize either. Right. Great. We'll just make our own platform. All right, well... Uh, I mean, it's it's possible. It's it's already starting, and you know, uh, everyone thought MySpace was the way to go until uh, Facebook came around. So maybe we should go back to Facebook or uh, MySpace. MySpace, I don't think ever banned anybody. Uh, no, I, Tom's not <laughs> there the day, anymore, though. Uh, yeah, well, you know, how many spam bots did you have that uh, uh, all the sexy women wanted to to get a hold of you? And when you're 15, you're like, oh, maybe that's maybe that's real. Yeah. <laughs> The, the silver age of the internet oh yeah all right well that's it for uh this uh, week's episode uh we'll uh have another episode probably either later this week or um sooner to uh discuss the the non-aggression principle as it relates to education should be a good one yeah so as always uh live radically and live free and privatize it <laughs>